This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, you're sick as a dog. Sick as a dog. Last week of February. I feel like every kid under 10 is sick right now. And uh, now and, uh, everybody, being a 10-year-old yourself. Everybody pushing 40 is <laughs> also sick now. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And you're, uh, you, you look like crap. But yeah, um, I shouldn't even be here. You shouldn't be here. So and you've been don't sneezing expect like don't in expect Braden's him. face for the last. Uh, well, he's going to yeah, Hawaii. Gross. He's yeah. going to Hawaii on Friday. Yeah, just what I need. Yeah. Do him a favor here. <laughs> Get him back. Get, Get my back. baby sick. <laughs> Speaking of babies, actually, John Loomer, <laughs> contributor, contributor, John Loomer just released the craziest baby reveal photo. We didn't even know his wife was pregnant. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and she's pregnant. She's very pregnant. She's like Braden. Did you do? Did you, I, you guys have kids? I don't have kids, but. Did you guys do like I did the, a similar type photo? No, absolutely not. Maybe we should I, just I, explain what the photo is. I picture, well, but I picture Braden doing that photo where he's kissing the pregnant belly, like somewhere outside. No, and they're all wearing... my, my wife makes a lot of fun of those photos, so uh, I don't think no, we would it no? would be Braden in front of the belly making a heart with yeah. his fingers. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you think of me? That's what he does every time he eats at a restaurant, too. He does that heart thing around his food. Yeah. Insty. Yeah. But, uh, no, John Loomer's photo, we'll put we, we'll put it on the website. It's, Unbelievable. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary. It's uh, Yeah, it, describe it. Well, it's his wife lying down. Uh, it's from her point of view. So she's taking the photo over her, her belly, right? With, with her belly and legs 
wide open and at the base, <laughs> John Loomer wearing a strange hat and flat beaked a hat. flat beaked hat <laughs> with a catcher's mitt. <laughs> the most the most awkward baby reveal photo. Anyways, we're gonna have it. Yeah, we'll go, go to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com to check that out. If that's not a pitch to go to the website, <laughs> I do not know what is. Uh, today we've got Andre Pavlov, professor of finance at the BD School of Business, SFU. And he's been super vocal on the recent NDP policy changes, and he participated in a breakfast at uh, UDI yeah, about a week ago, the Urban Development Institute. Institute. Yeah. And he's he's on today. We're super excited to have him on. Yeah, We're going to unpack really, the policy changes. Yeah, real, real fascinating conversation with Andre for sure. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Matt, you're sick. Yeah. Go to, go, God, turn this guy's I mic just, off. Yeah, let's just, just mute me. Just I'm, going to the interview. I'm going All right. To well, hey, yeah, let's just, w- without further ado, here's our interview with Andre Pavlov, professor of finance at the Beatty School of Business. Enjoy, guys. Enjoy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're here with Andre Pavlov, professor in finance at Beatty School of Business at SFU. How are you, Andre? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for taking the time today, Andre. Absolutely. So, Andre, can you maybe start by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, so I'm um, a professor of finance uh, at Simon Fraser University, and um, most of my research is focused on real estate, uh, specifically mortgages and um, uh, real estate valuation. I have spent uh, quite a bit of time um, around the world, uh, and um, especially in the U.S., where I have observed firsthand um, all kinds of uh, market, real estate market-related measures and successes and failures. And I find that uh, quite uh, insightful, um, quite helpful to analyze the Vancouver real estate market because we sometimes forget here that uh, there's a whole wild world world out there. Um, and um, and other people respond to what we do here um, um, in all kinds of ways. So uh, it, it's helpful to keep a global perspective when we're talking about our local Vancouver uh, market. Right, right. And and you've been in Vancouver for how long now at SFU? I came in 2001, um, uh, sort of took a couple of leaves um, um, to go to um, University of Pennsylvania around the crisis, um, which was kind of fun because I saw the crisis, the financial crisis firsthand. I was right there. and and But yes, most of the time I have been here since 2001. So Andre, when you're looking at financial markets, are you do you have certain regions that you're kind of focused on? Um, well, on the financial markets, um, if you mean stocks and bonds, um, I mean, I mostly... Um, you know, invest my own portfolio in, in uh, U.S. stocks and bonds and, you know, a little bit of Canadian and a little bit of global. Uh, so there's no specific region or industry that I particularly focus on um, uh, as far as um, uh, investments in general. Now, in terms of real estate, I'm obviously focused on Vancouver very much because I live here and it's a very interesting market. Just, um, you know, we've been doing this podcast for the last couple of years, and obviously people talk about the quote-unquote bubble here in Vancouver. What are, what are your thoughts on that? So I have been um, I have been predicting a huge price decline uh, for 
I don't know, about four years now, right? So I, I clearly have been wrong on that. <laughs> Uh, and, um, yes, not, uh, one, not one of my brightest moments. Luckily, I have made other choices and decisions in my life that have worked out well. So, uh, so it's all fine at the end. But, um, yes, I, I have always thought that the Vancouver real estate market is overvalued in a sense that it is, um, really not affordable to the typical uh, local, uh, buyer. And that to me is uh, worrisome and unsustainable. But as I said, it has, I've been wrong on that for, uh, for about four years. The things that uh, support the Vancouver market is really the very tight supply constraint. Uh, so we, we have added absolutely no new land to supply uh, over the you know, past few years, not just a year or two, but maybe the past five or ten. Um, and then, um, the only, so the only supply increase that comes into these cities through uh, increased density, and even that is very difficult because, um, you know, Vancouver City Hall is um, is very slow and uh, very intrusive in their um, development approval process. Right. So you're you're touching on kind of the quintessential question here of supply and, and demand that we've talked about so much. The NDP's 30-point plan for housing affordability focuses significantly on the demand side. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the NDP's 30-point plan for housing affordability? All right. So um, I don't think it's going to improve affordability at all. In fact, I think it moves us in the opposite direction. Um, the plan may very well reduce prices, uh, and in fact, it, it likely will, but uh, but that decline isn't going to be um, uh, all that significant because we have done absolutely nothing on the supply side. And to the extent that we have growing population and uh, immigration from abroad or from the rest of Canada, um, we're just, we just don't have enough units. Um, having said that, you know, you kill demand, uh, prices will probably uh, go down. Um, but that doesn't improve affordability. Affordability is about the ratio between uh, incomes and prices. So um, you want to improve affordability, we need to have higher incomes and lower prices, or at least one of them, right? So maybe higher income, stable prices, lower prices, stable income, you know, any of those would work. Regrettably, the, the NDP budget, in my view, is going to reduce prices, but it also significantly reduces incomes. It reduces incomes both because it increases the tax burden uh, pretty much for everyone, you know, um, either through the new payroll tax or through the higher income taxes that were introduced with the mini budget about six months ago. Uh, and then, of course, all those taxes and other fees really are going to have a negative impact on the economy, so that's going to make it harder to to uh, make money in uh, in uh, British Columbia. So uh, lower income and lower prices, uh, that doesn't sound to me like improved affordability. Hmm. You know, if, if we talk about affordability just in terms of prices, yes, maybe there will be some effect, but uh, affordability is not about prices, it's about the ratio, and the ratio, in my view, uh, will not change, and in fact, it may very well deteriorate. So, Andre, you've lived in several different parts of the world. In your opinion, is the NDP flying blind, or are there other markets in which similar types of policies have been have been applied? Well, there are pretty much pretty much every major international market has now some sort of policy 
to restrict foreign ownership, for example. So um, Singapore has some, Hong Kong, London, right? I mean, it's uh, certainly New Zealand, bans foreign ownership altogether, Australia. So there's a lot of markets out there um, that restrict um, uh, foreign ownership. Um, so measures along those lines, like the foreign buyer tax, are not unusual. And in fact, in my view, Vancouver lagged behind in terms of uh, restrictions like that. And, you know, when the foreign buyer tax was introduced in 2016, uh, we basically caught up with the rest of uh, of those gateway cities uh, that already had restrictions. So that's, um, that's not surprising. Um, what, in my view, is surprising is that um, um, most other countries and provinces and states and so on are trying to grow their economy and increase the income for their local population. And in my view, the slew of taxes that we are getting uh, with the past budget doesn't do that. It does the opposite. So, Andre, in terms of the types of uh, policies that the NDP has introduced here, we have the new quote-unquote speculation tax, we have the rise to PTT, we have the school taxes increasing for properties over $3 million, and the foreign buyer's tax, to name just a few. Are there any of these policies that the NDP got right in your mind? Yeah, so each one of them, um, or many of them on their own, are not a bad idea. So, for example, the speculator tax, which is really a vacancy tax, right. is, in my view, a very good idea. And, in fact, I was a part of that group of economists who uh, proposed a tax like that a couple of years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, it appears from uh, from what we know so far that tax uh, is being implemented, um, uh, you know, in a, in a very similar way to the way we proposed it uh, uh, so the, 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 that idea is, I think, really good. People who are benefiting from the from our society should really contribute to it. And uh, and we were in a situation in which uh, people were buying properties in Vancouver, but not actually paying any taxes here. So they're clearly benefiting from our um, uh, services, but are not really contributing. So right. this tax, the speculator tax, and you know, as I said, it's really a vacancy tax. That tax tries to fix that. But the key component of our proposal was that the tax is revenue neutral, so that uh, we um, we increase a little bit of, a ta- of the tax burden, we put a little bit of the tax burden on people who are benefiting and not contributing, and use the money to reduce the tax burden on the locals so that uh, the local population can, you know, improve their um, chances of getting into this market. Um, So the idea was to shift the tax burden from locals to other people, not necessarily foreigners, but anyone who is benefiting from uh, having an investment in BC but not paying any tax in BC. Regrettably, the way this tax was implemented, the the first half was done great, the second, not so much, right? So not only... Uh, this tax is not revenue neutral and came together with a whole bunch of other tax increases, many of which are on the locals. Um, and that sort of, in my view, defeats the purpose. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, the foreign buyer tax, um, when it was introduced, it was, in my view, appropriate. And, uh, you know, whether it should be 15 or 20 percent, I don't know. But um, each one of those policies taken on its own is main, you know, some of them are not a bad idea. Some of them are a really good idea. Right. But 
putting them all together, uh, it amounts really to uh, a huge tax increase. Uh, and that's not the intent at all. That wasn't at least the intent of that proposal. Uh, the intent of the proposal is to shift the tax burden, not to increase the tax burden on everyone. So we've talked a lot about your guys' policy. We, we've had, you know, I think first Tom Davidoff came on a couple of years back to explain the proposal. Any thoughts on why the NDP wouldn't have that revenue neutral uh, element to it? It seems like it was such a well thought out plan. Like why only half? Well, I think um, they're very much set on taxing the successful and the hardworking and the rich. And um, that seems to be, I mean, I don't want to say that's their own idea. It seems like the electorate uh, in Canada and in, in British Columbia likes that. Uh, so I think we've created a political climate uh, in which uh, uh, we penalize success and uh, people like to receive gifts. So if you look at the NDP budget, there's a whole bunch of services and, and gifts to um, all kinds of uh, people. And that seems to be popular. Now, I don't really understand that. I, I think if we're going to help people, we need to help people directly uh, rather than offer them services. But obviously, um, I'm in the minority on this front. So, Andre, you participated at the UDI breakfast discussion about a week back or so, right after the budget was announced. And there were developers there, vacation homeowners, agents, academics. Was there a consensus at all on the new housing policy? Well, yes, I think uh, I think most people were equally concerned with the overall increase in the tax burden and the effect that's going to have on disposable income immediately and also on our economy um, in the longer run. Other than that, um, different people were concerned about different uh, aspects of the budget. So, for example, a lot of people were concerned about that school tax, which is really not a school tax. This money is not dedicated to our schools. It goes to general revenue. Um, And that's a very, very substantial increase. And I don't know. I mean, uh, is it fair to to tax um, uh, someone who has... um, work hard and done obviously something right um, and as a result has an expensive home um, you know uh, that's that's obviously above that kind of decision is obviously above my pay grade but um, but there was concern about that right uh, also there were a lot of um, rental properties that are obviously over well over three million uh, that everyone initially thought are going to be part are going to be hit with that same tax now, later, I understand that the minister has uh, clarified that uh, purpose-built rental isn't going to be subject to the tax, to the additional uh, tax, uh, which is fine. But you still have a whole a lot of properties uh, who have, you know, one or two rental suites and maybe a coach house. Uh, so you have three or four units within one property uh, that's not purpose-built rental, but it is effectively rental. And um, from what I can tell, this kind of property is going to be subject to to the tax now. So this is not someone um, who inherited a bunch of wealth and uh, got lucky and now deserves to uh, pay half of their uh, winnings uh, back to to the to the state. Uh, these are people who have worked hard and uh, put together uh, a property and are renting it out. Uh, they should not be. Uh, they should not be penalized with a higher property tax. Those people, just so I understand, are you talking about the property tax because the property is worth more than $3 million, correct? 
Yeah, so imagine right. you have a property, uh, it's a single family house, but it has two legal suites and a, and a coach house, right? Right. So that's totally legal, all of them are rented and, and all of that. So here's a property that has four units, but it, it's still classified as residential single family, you know, and, and I mean, I see properties like that all the time. Sure. So here's a situation where the property is clearly going to be over $3 million, but this is no luxury, right? This is uh, really over $3 million because it has four units and they are rented. Um, so... You know, now that we bring that up, I'm sure that's going to get uh, exempted as well. And, and you know, the, I'm sure the government is going to walk back some of those initial taxes. But, um, um, you know, the spirit of this is, uh, in my view, um, uh, not right. In my view, the spirit of this um, uh, higher property taxes is we want to penalize success and we want to penalize the rich. And that's not right in my view on moral grounds, but also um, it's, uh, it puts our economy in danger because those are the people who likely uh, are most mobile and those are the people who uh, likely generate jobs. Well, and it also, um, just thinking through what you your point there, it also penalizes people who are actually trying to increase density in the city, right? I mean, building a laneway home adds value to the property, which potentially brings it over $3 million dollars people might think twice about light density, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's exactly the type of uh, issue I'm um, worried about. So now that we're discussing it, I suspect uh, the NDP government is going to walk back that tax. So I think they're going to make it not apply to multi-unit residential property. All right, but then how are you going to decide which is multi-unit and which is uh, a single-family luxury home that rents one room to to someone just so they qualify to be uh, multifamily, right? So mm. there's a whole kinds of issues with uh, these tax. Uh, but even if it's implemented perfectly and as intended, which is going to be very difficult, um, it's going to have an intended consequences. It's going to hit people who don't, uh, who are not necessarily, who do not fit our profile of rich and lucky who deserve to pay more. Uh, it's going to hit uh, hardworking um uh, Canadians who have contributed to this society in great ways and have paid their taxes all along, and now they're going to be forced to sell um, their homes at a discount. Oh, and by the way, who's buying a three or four million dollar home? Well, it's not very many locals, right? So we, these kind of measures make it uh, easier and uh, cheaper for outside investors to acquire properties in in Vancouver, despite the tax. So, Andre. Kind of on a broader scale, should BC be concerned that regular housing policy changes creates uncertainty and anxiety more generally when it comes to global investment in the province? Yeah, so um, I think everyone in, in the government and outside the government has been very clear that all these restrictions are only for residential real estate. Uh, so um, from what I gather, we very much welcome investment in uh, any other industry uh, mining, you know, uh, manufacturing services, any of that, uh, and um, uh, because we really, really need that investment. Um, the problem is, I don't know um, if um, if someone uh, sitting uh, far away from here would be able to distinguish. Um, you know, I mean, so one tax, two specific items to bring us back to 
uh, to bring us on par with the rest of the world, I think that's acceptable. But now that we have, um, you know, several different tax measures that each uh, target um, um, somehow either foreign investors or investors from within Canada, but not from BC, um, I think we may be starting to send the wrong message. And then, more importantly, through the higher, higher payroll tax and, and the other tax increases, um, we're really sending the message now that we are a high-tax jurisdiction. Uh, and then why should anyone come and uh, create manufacturing jobs here when they can move, um, you know, two, three hundred kilometers south and create the same jobs uh, in a much um, lower tax regime? So, so Andre, we have this segment called the Five Wire, five quick questions about Vancouver. Can you stick around for that? Uh, sure, yeah. Great, great. So number one, what is your favorite neighborhood in in Greater Vancouver? Oh, I live in Kitts. I think that'd be the favorite. Yeah, it's a nice mixture of properties and, and people and nice restaurants and coffee shops. I love it. Tough to beat Kitts. Favorite bar or restaurant in the city? Favorite bar or restaurant? Oh, gosh, that's going to be one of my local bars, like uh, local on... on um, uh, right on the beach or, or uh, Browns on Fort and Vine just because it's uh, super close to home and, uh, you know, you, it, it's nice atmosphere, nice atmosphere. Right. Downtown Penthouse or West Side Mansion? And don't take the tax into effect. Oh, my. Uh, I, well, I have a large family, so I will take the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the mail. I need the space. <laughs> Where where's the first place you take someone from out of town? I probably take them to Kids Beach uh, with its view of downtown and the mountains. Uh, it tends to be very impressive. I'm starting to think you don't leave Kitsilano very often. <laughs> <laughs> and last question for 2018 investing advice: real estate or the stock market? Oh gosh, neither. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a tough one. Neither, absolutely. Um, yeah, just I keep it under the mattress. That the stock market is uh, nearing its peak, and uh, um, and real estate in Vancouver is certainly very uh, risky. So yes, maybe um, real estate in Seattle. That's uh, that's where that's what I do. Okay, great. Perfect. How can people find out more about your research and and what what you're doing, Andre? Well, anyone who types um, Andre Pavlov SFU. Um, in Google will get to my um, uh, uh, web page at BD. And then in there, um, I have a CV where, which lists all my publications and, and you know, um, and then with links and then they can go from there. And of course, I'm on Twitter and social media. Fantastic. Well, hey, thanks thanks again for taking the time. Uh, very inf- informative uh, conversation. Yeah, that was fascinating. Thanks so much, Andre. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Andre Pavlov, professor of finance over at the Beatty School of Business at SFU. Sounds like you're feeling better. No, I'm not. This is <laughs> mustering everything I got for this. Very interesting interview with uh, Andre. Really appreciated him taking the time to talk to us about the tax. Um, really interesting insight. Yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, Andre pointed out that I hadn't thought about was 
the tax on a property over $3 million right. might actually hinder the city's plans for gentle density just because yeah. or the incentive of people to to build extra housing on their lots right yeah exactly i, I hadn't thought of that uh, point and that was uh yeah that was fascinating but i mean he had tons of interesting things to say for sure and really interesting that the conversation and the arguments and uh you know overall at, at events like the udi breakfast and you know the twitter wars are waging as well so very, very interesting. We'll see how this pans out. We'll keep you posted here on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. And Matt, before we go, I want to just thank everybody for uh, the reviews. We've had some incredible reviews, yeah. even from some seasoned realtors who listen to the show. And uh, we appreciate that. And thank you so much We're for leaving us reviews. We're at 133 now on iTunes. 133, yeah, yeah, and growing. So if you like the podcast and if you haven't reviewed us, please do head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave us a review. We read them all. Uh, we high five every time. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> we're it's, really it's an big event. into it's an uh, event. yeah. <laughs> we're really self congratulatory over here at the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Also, head over to our site, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, and sign up. We've had a lot of people signing up. Uh, if you're a realtor, sign up. We've got useful information for you as well. We'll keep you posted on episodes. And if you're also looking for amazing resources, if you're a buyer or seller, head over to the site. We've got private client services. Matt, what is private client services? Wait a second, this is your pitch, and I, I don't think I'm up to it. Okay, well, if you're not using private client services, you're standing still while the rest of us are power walking by. That's true. We've got uh, listing updates 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. You get sold prices, days on market. It's all integrated with mapping systems. So it's it's the most useful research tool out there. If you're not using it, really, you're not giving yourself a leg up on uh, the competition. Yeah, and that's for desktop. Desktop. Yeah, I'll take it from here, Matt. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a mobile <laughs> app called HomeSpotter, which is phenomenal. It's a little bit more user-friendly than private client services on your mobile, um, but it also has something called augmented reality. Braden, what the heck is augmented reality? Well, it uses your reality and augments it, so you can just point <laughs> yeah. it at a building and yeah. see what listings are in there. I have a really good grasp on this. <laughs> so yeah, point it point it at the building. It'll show you what's listed inside the building, and you just have to have, have the camera, I guess, activated and your and the the app on. I would assume. Um, yeah, fascinating technology. So you can sign up for that as well. Um, so yeah, head over to the site or just if you want to get live wire updates, um, deal of the month, deal of the month, insider tips. Uh, join, you know, so we have over 20,000 yeah. people benefiting from this information. If you're not benefiting, you're missing out. So head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and sign up today. And uh, last year, uh, by the time this comes out, I'll be feeling better. So please give me a call, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I'm feeling good right now. So call me today before you call Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and Brady D. Media at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Excellent. Have All a right. great week, guys. Take care. Take care. <laughs> Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 